Hey there, it's Jim Stengel, host of the CMO Podcast. We're all marketers here, so let's be real for a sec. We all know that your website shouldn't be a static asset. It should be a dynamic part of your strategy to build your brand and drive conversions. That's Marketing 101. But 54% of marketing leaders say web updates take too long. That's over half of you listening right now. And that's where Webflow comes in. Their visual-first platform allows you to build, launch, and optimize web pages fast. That means you can set ambitious marketing goals and your site can rise to that challenge. Learn why teams like Dropbox, IDEO, and Orange Theory all trust Webflow to achieve their most ambitious goals today at webflow.com. Want to drive greater success in social commerce? With Deloitte's latest creator economy research, you can. After surveying over 500 creators and 500 brands, our insights are helping CMOs and marketing teams harness the power of content creators. And not only that, but how to do it well. See for yourself by visiting cmo.deloitte.com today. Karuna, what's the first brand you remember making an impact on you as a young girl? So um, I don't know, Jim, if you even know this, but I came to this country as a 10-year-old. Um, you know, um, I was born in India. Um, my dad was a diplomat and we had lived all over the world. And right before I came to the U.S., I, was, um, I lived in um, Bhutan, which is a tiny country in the Himalayas, um, no running water, no um, television. And then I landed in JFK in New York City. The reason I tell you all that is America for me had this like at that age was this like incredible thing. And um, and the thing I remember so vividly as the first brand is Campbell's Soup, believe it or not. And it's because I remember going to school and coming home for lunch. And the idea of an American lunch was Campbell's tomato soup and a grilled cheese sandwich. And when my mom would make me that, I was like, oh, I'm the cool American kid now. Hi, I'm Jim Stengel, and I help major brands find their purpose and activate it, and the profits follow. For seven years, I was the global marketing officer for Procter & Gamble, where I oversaw the marketing of hundreds of brands. You may not know it, but the CMOs, the chief marketing officers of all of your favorite brands, are trying to connect you with your favorite products and services through purpose. And on this show, I delve into how they do it. Today is the second of three episodes inspired by the 2023 Marketing Leadership Summit at the Kellogg School at Northwestern. The summit is an annual gathering organized by Kellogg faculty with executives from Egon Zender and McKinsey. I help design and participate in the annual gathering. This session is a first on the CMO podcast. We will talk not about the metaverse, but something more exciting, the fungiverse. My guests today in the CMO podcast are Karuna Rabal, the Chief Revenue Officer and Chief Marketing Officer for Nature's Fine, and Martha Williams, a consultant with Egon Zender, focused on the retail and consumer sectors. Nature's Fine is among the most interesting brands we have hosted on this show. It is a new-to-the-world nutritional fungi protein that uses a fraction of the resources of traditional agriculture. Get this, it was born out of research conducted for NASA on microbes in Yellowstone National Park. The company has raised more than $500 million in capital, and its first consumer products are breakfast patties and dairy-free cream cheese. Martha from Egon Center hosted a panel with four CMOs at the Kellogg Northwestern Summit. The theme was resilient leadership in disruptive categories. Karuna was one of the CMOs on the panel. This is my conversation about purpose, leadership, and fungi protein. Here's Martha and Karuna. 
Welcome, Karuna and Martha, to the CMO Podcast. Let's start with how you two met. So Martha and I actually met uh, right before the Kellogg um, Marketing Leadership Summit. Um, I was invited to be a panelist, and Martha was the moderator. So we actually um, have not known each other for very long, but um, I would say we met about a month ago, maybe. Well, this might get more interesting. Karuna, I need to ask you how you and I met, and there is definitely is a Kellogg Northwestern link to that. And it is way longer than when you and Martha met. So Corona, what's your version of how we met? Let's see how we met is my God, that goes back a long way. So it does. <laughs> um, I was, uh, I think, uh, between my first and second year at Kellogg and um, Northwestern um, at Northwestern and uh, P&G came to recruit. And, you know, I Confessions time, true confessions time is that uh, was my dream company to go work for. So I applied for the summer internship. That was the very first year that PNG uh, accepted students from Kellogg, and I was one of two. And as luck would have it, I ended up um, getting into the uh, an opportunity at the in the food and beverage division, and I was supposed to work on Olestra. And then literally the day before I showed up, um, I got a call from, I believe it was Sandy Morsdorf, who was the recruiter way back then, and said, we have a little change. You're no longer going to be working on Alestra. You're going to be working on JIF. And I thought, well, that's cool. I love peanut butter. So that was pretty exciting. And then I showed up and uh, met you for the very first time. So that's my recollection. I don't know if um, yours is any different. I hope it's the same. No, it is the same. It absolutely is the same. And do you still eat Jif, Corona? I still eat Jif. And and Jim, I have to tell you, one of the greatest joys is for me to go to the shelf and still see Simply Jif on there. It was the very first project I worked on <laughs> when I came back to work for you. And, um, you know, there's not a lot of line extensions uh, that last that long. So uh, it was the first one that Jif did. And it's there. I don't want to say how many years later because it's going to date me. But, um, Yeah. What a great, uh, what a great opportunity to start my career in brand management. We had a fa fantastic brand team back then, a diverse brand team yes. as well, yes. and that's why that's one reason we were so successful. Corona di didn't know this at the time, Martha, but she was. We just want, we just had to get her at PNG. There was no ifs, ands, and buts. And I was, I think, heading up Kellogg recruiting then, so I, I had to bring you in. So I was very persuasive. I don't know how I was once you joined the company, but I was very persuasive before you joined. So listen, um, Martha, I'm going to bring you into this conversation in a bit of a more serious way. You hosted a panel at the Kellogg Marketing Leadership Summit called Resilient Leadership in Disrupted Categories. And there were four remarkable women on the panel, and Karuna, of course, was one of them. So thinking back to the panel that you moderated, Martha, if you can remember, I have trouble remembering when I moderate and when I host, so you may have trouble with this. But thinking back on it, what was your big takeaway from that panel? Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, fortunately, I remember it clearly. Um, we had, yeah, as you mentioned before, fantastic panelists. We had Karuna, um, we had Kimberly Gardner, who is currently the Chief Marketing Officer of Chapter Supply, but came from a really interesting background in auto where she'd experienced disruption. We had Sammy Barr, who's the Chief Brand Officer at Cola and been in a number of different industries, and Denise Karkos, who had been um, the Chief Marketing Officer at Sirius XM and Pandora, so another really disrupted media and entertainment category. And I think some of the themes that came through um, were this maniacal focus on the consumer, like not getting distracted by competition, what you've done historically, but really focusing on 
what does the customer need and what's the customer asking for and why are they going? I think the importance of developing teams and talent came through really clearly, um, empowering teams, giving them voice. And then I think there was this other theme just based on the collection of women that were on the panel that was around sort of taking some risks in your career and embracing change. Corona, what what stayed with you from the summit? You know, we go to a lot of these kind of meetings, we hear all these inspiring stories, but was there a quote or a person or an experience or presentation that has stuck with you? I think, you know, there were so many great takeaways. And for me, it's always um, so re-energizing to be around so many smart marketers mm-hmm. who just um, are incredibly inspiring. I think for me, the um, I believe it was uh, Tracy uh, from Walgreens. Yeah. You know, just the the idea of, you know, waking up every day and really thinking about, you know, leadership. You know, do I do I deserve to be the leader um, of this group? And and what am I doing to earn that, you know, each and every day, I think was really remarkable. Um, and it's something I spend, you know, I spent a lot of time, obviously I've led many, many teams over the course of my career. Um, and, you know, it is, it's a great question and it's one that has really stuck with me. Um, you know, there were many other takeaways, but I think that one just um, really was compelling to think about because it's easy to lose sight of it as you, you know, go on and in the day to day. And it's important for me as a leader to always think about what is, what is this individual and what does this team need from me as a leader? Um, and what can I do to make them, you know, as effective as possible? That was a very provocative presentation. I mean, she stood up and said immediately, I wake up every day thinking, am I worthy to be followed? Yeah. It's a yeah. great question. A great for all question. Of us. Yes. Yeah. Agreed. We've all been there. You spend millions of dollars each year driving traffic to your company's website, and then the results come in and they're just not what you hoped. On top of that, 81% of marketing leaders say website ownership is a challenge. So what do you do? Well, you switch to Webflow. Let me tell you why. Webflow's visual-first platform empowers your team to own your company's most valuable dynamic marketing asset, your website. From launching a new site to optimizing for SEO and conversions, Webflow gives you the tools you need to drive business growth fast. Unlock your website's full potential when you build, manage, and host with Webflow. Get started today at webflow.com. What would you say is the key to success for today's CMO? If you said data, you wouldn't be the only one. At Deloitte, however, we believe data is only half of the equation. The other half, story. Because data is the language of business, but story is the language of humans. And we believe the most successful CMOs know how to harness the power of both data and story. To learn more about Deloitte's CMO program and how we can help today's CMOs succeed, visit cmo.deloitte.com. Well, Martha, I want to flip it back to you. You you have helped a lot of people in your career, including CMOs, find the right roles for them. But Karuna's role seems to me to be nearly one of a kind, right? She's the first CMO of a unicorn company, and her remit is to introduce a new-to-the-world protein, build a brand, and build a category. And that's a bit of what she talked about at the Kellogg Summit. And she seems to be really happy. I've known Karuna through many jobs. She's always happy. She seems to be extra happy in this role. From your perspective, Martha, as a leadership advisory expert, and I know you've only known Karuna for you know a month or so, but what's your point of view? What's your feeling? What's your thinking about why Karuna is thriving so much in this role? Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, I think um, our responsibility, I guess, is 
recruiter is to know the talent and to know the talent, not just at a surface level, but to know passions, preferences, um, and principles. And I think, and I'm sure Karina won't mind me sharing this story, but the reason I, part of the reason I know Karina is my colleague played a role in her position at Nature's Find. And I think Karina shared with me that part of the reason that she took the call is because she knew my colleague. Um, and part of the reason he called her is because he knew her passions and her principles um, and was able to think about the right person and the right fit for this role. Um, and so I think that play, I mean, clearly Karina's got all this beautiful experience um, in her career, but she also has a real passion for food um, and a real passion for this space and this core sense of trying to make the world a bit better. Um, and you'll see that just in her, the breadth of her background and some of the causes that she's involved in. But I think that that, um, you can almost see the authenticity of her belief in this business and her passion in building and growing and making the world better in a context where we are worried about food sustainability. Mm-hmm. Karuna, what's your reaction to that? Um, well, that's it's lovely to hear, first of all. Um, and it was actually, you know, I think Martha's absolutely right. It's not a um, it was a call that I took uh, because of who was calling me, honestly. Um, and when he he kind of started with just hear me out. And I thought, oh, this is going to be a good one <laughs> um, because it was so sort of off the beaten path of anything I had been um, thinking about. But what was remarkable was as he started explaining the opportunity, I just found myself getting really excited. And I thought, wow, this is a once in a lifetime opportunity. Um, and I can't but take the leap. And it's, it was a big leap of faith, to be very clear, um, going to a startup that, you know, I was, I think I was employee number 25, the first marketer, um, you know, obviously they'd had. Um, and I went from running a 400 person agency on a, you know, a few weeks before that to walking in and I had, um, a summer intern who was returning in two weeks um, from business school and a Bain extern who, you know, had never done marketing. And they said, this is your team. And I thought, oh my goodness, what have I done? <laughs> but at the same time, I think the opportunity to um, really build something, and this was something, it was it was interesting, Mark Tutzel at Leo Burnett, who I worked with for a long mm-hmm. time, who you know, Jim, yep. chief creative officer, said to me, at your heart, you're a builder. That is what excites you. That's what lights your fire. And you need to go build something. And that has struck with me for a long time. And as I look back at my career, those are the opportunities that I was most excited about. And, you know, to Martha's point, I think knowing about what it was that really was my passion um, and being able to connect that to even something that looked so unfamiliar um, was was really a talent. And I think that's something that um, the team at Egon Zender, you know, did incredibly well. They they really knew me. Well, anytime someone calls and uses in the first paragraph, NASA, you know, <laughs> fungi and Yellowstone National Park. I mean, you, you're hooked, yeah, right? right. <laughs> you're, you're, when, I heard, when I first heard about you in that role, I thought, what? Yeah, but it, that's it was everybody's immediately reaction. intriguing. That's exactly that. There were two things. It was one about being a builder. And the second was, I thought, this is Toy Story. This is Buzz and Woody. I mean, it literally, I was walking in Yellowstone, you know, surrounded by the mountains and watching the cow. And I thought, this is an amazing story. This is a story that can touch every human at an emotional level. And I've just got to figure out how to put these pieces together. Um, and at the end of it, it's, you know, a little thing called saving the world. Uh, so 
you can't ask for a better purpose than that. So I want you to go back to that that time four years ago when you walked into this job with your Bain extern and your intern coming in two weeks. And I, I suspect most of the other employees were extremely technical. I'd li- like you to talk about how you even knew where to start. You probably didn't have a terribly specific remit, is my guess. None. <laughs> so, so like, where did you start? You're the first CMO of a company that could be an unbelievable force in this world. And tell us, walk us through that. Yeah. So when I met with the CEO, one of the things he said to me, and again, it was um, exhilarating and terrifying at once. He said, you have a blank sheet of paper. Um, the company was actually called Sustainable Bioproducts when I joined. It's mm. another little part of the Catchy. story. Yeah. And I said, kind of like I told my husband when we bought our old house, I said, I only signed this deal if we get a new kitchen. So I said, I only signed this deal if I could get, <laughs> get to redo the brand. Um, and luckily, he said, you have an absolutely blank sheet of paper. And Jim, I went back to kind of what I knew at my very core on how to build a brand. And I said, all right, we're going to start with, and, and oh, by the way, they told me I had, you know, about nine days to present to the board my marketing vision and strategy. So that was, that's how I started my job. Um, so the very first thing we did was I took uh, the exec team and a number of, uh, in, you know, employees from the company, and we went off to do a day of purpose work. Um, we literally uh, went to New York uh, with, uh, you know, a moderator that I'd worked with before. And, and I said, I'm not going to build any logo or brand or anything else until we start with what is our purpose? Why do we exist? And that work starts with what are our beliefs and what are our values as a company? I had the amazing opportunity, and I really think this was incredible, to start with what are our values as a company? What do we care about? And I had the chance to articulate those values, um, and those values are what we use to build our beliefs, our purpose system, and then from there, our mission. And, you know, and then, yes, we eventually got to name and logo and all of that stuff, but um we built a very solid foundation and that's what I walked into the board and I said, this is what I need to do. If we're going to do this right, if we're going to, you know, live up to this incredible ambition that we have, we have to start with, you know, understanding who we are, you know, what do we care about and how does that get expressed in the brand? Because it matters just as much externally as it does internally. Like we, our employees have to believe this as well, right? Creating a brand that just sits out in the world isn't enough. It's something that we have to do and be really true to our purpose. Um, And then it was all about who's our consumer. Um, And I have a funny story to tell you on this, um, if, if you'll indulge me, but we will. First thing I did was go off to do, you know, good old fashioned consumer research and it was focus groups, but I, I, I felt like I needed to start with just a grounding of like, this is fungi. Like, what's going to happen here? Um, and I'll, in all the years I've done uh, research, I've never had this happen. The moderator came to me and she said, um, this is going to be a disaster. You actually have a paragraph that has the word fungi in there three times. And she said, it's going to blow up. And I'm strongly advising you not to do it. And I looked at her and I said, if it's going to blow up, I'd rather know now than when I get out into the marketplace because we're going to be transparent. We're going to talk about who we are and what we do. And it was remarkable to then see, and literally I had the CEO face pressed up against the mirror because he was so excited about hearing, like they had never done this work, right? So really hearing what is the consumer, the core consumer we're going after, think about this. And everyone was struck by there's really something here. These people who care about 
making the world a better place and understand the connection between the food we eat and climate change, if we can figure out how to tell them the story and make that emotional connection, there's something really powerful here. And that gave me sort of the grounding to say, okay, now I know how to go build a brand. I know who I'm doing it for. I know who we are. Um, and it was brand building 101, which I learned from none other than you, Jim Stengel. So um, it stuck with me all these years. Now that sounds all very smooth and <laughs> no bumps in the road as you did that. So what was the most challenging part of what you just described? I think the most challenging part was we, um, you know, getting the framework to be simple and not get distracted with, you know, we have so many things we can talk about, right? It's like bringing it back to, okay, you know, what are our six core values? What is our purpose? What is our mission? And how do we stick to that and not get distracted by lots and lots of things that can happen along the way, right? Um, I had my share of, you know, everybody thinks they can do marketing, especially in a company that's not built on marketing. So everyone had an idea on what the name should be and what the logo should be and what, you know, and it was really interesting because our belief is around this idea of nature and science, as I told you, Woody and Buzz coming together. Um, and it was like, how do we just, figure out a, a brand name. That was probably one of the hardest things. And I did, you know, for the years that I did uh, consulting on my own, I did naming and it, it is the hardest mm -hmm. thing to do. And that was, again, proved to be true. Very, very difficult to get everybody to align, you know, especially when you have a founder and multiple founders. In my case, you have, everybody's got an opinion on what it should be called. Um, and, you know, yes, you can do consumer research, but ultimately it's a strategic and a gut and an emotional thing. And so that was probably the most challenging part. And I'll never forget the day, like literally I woke up one morning and I was like, I got it. We have like nature and, and we'd come up with the word find um, and we'd put the Y in it because of Yellowstone. So, it, you know, and, and our whole company is about exploration and discovery. So that's how we got to it. But there was something missing and we were all kind of like, how do we like get a little bit more, you know, our, our archetype is both an explorer and a, and a caregiver. And we're trying to figure out how to bring that together. And uh, literally I woke up one morning, I said, I went on, wrote on the board. I said, it's nature's find because it is, it's, we found it in nature. It's a, and all of a sudden everyone around the room was like, that's it. And I've seen that happen enough, you know, a few times in my career when you, when you mm -hmm. know, you know, and it, that was one of those moments, but very, very difficult to get there. But once we got there, everybody was like, that's it. I think the name's brilliant. I, Thank I, you. It's just perfect. <laughs> that, yeah, it's just perfect. That means a lot coming from you. No, no, it, it really does. Now, Martha, you just heard a story of a CMO starting up in a new category in a startup, so on and so forth. You help a lot of people do that at your company. So what are the lessons we should draw from what Corona just said for anyone starting a new company, changing roles within their current company? Um, I mean, I think curiosity and openness are always really key to, um, to sort of thinking about where to start. Um, there's, there's clearly a a connection, I think, between what we talked about and this focus on the customer and the consumer. Um, and I think there's some beautiful stories that I'm sure Corinne can speak to about how she decided where to focus based on that. But equally, this piece around vision and purpose and making that connection between where you're going um, and the immediacy that we hear in terms of consumer data and availability in the moment um, requires a real discipline and um a real focus. And I think that the 
marketing talent that can get that balance of look, where are we going and what's the vision and what's the purpose and what culture do we want to represent and build? And also like what am our consumers saying about the now and, and how do we need to react with immediacy to the things that are urgent? Um, are the people that I feel kind of crack it in the in the early stages. I want to get a little bit more personal now and go back to the panel discussion that Martha, you hosted. And Corinna, you shared on that panel that you are a lifelong vegetarian and that in this role, your purpose and values are in total harmony with the companies. And you have been a top performer your whole career from when I recruited you until this day. But I'd like to ask you in this job, how do you feel your performance, your effectiveness, your motivation is different? from roles you've had before with this incredible harmony with your own personal purpose and values and the companies. When I first started the role, I, I, it was really remarkable because, you know, we all work on a number of categories and I don't, I'm, I'm not one of these people that believes you must be a user of the category in order to be able to market mm-hmm. it. I, I don't think that's true, but the thing that I've found as I've progressed in my career is, you know, really thinking through my own personal values and what really matters to me. And I got to a point, I think, in my career where I said, you know, I have this ability. How do I take that and leverage it towards something I really feel personally passionate about? When it started to really, you know, as I started to think about this role, the ability to wake up every morning and be bring my entire self to work, for one thing, and wake up super energized every single day to... Um, to be able to do the work. Um, and it is incredibly difficult work. It is probably the hardest job, um, without a doubt, I've had in my career. And the days there, you know, as our CEO told me when I joined, the highs are high and the lows are low. And um, that is very, very true. I think what keeps me energized and going is I know I'm doing something that I personally believe in and that's something I can feel incredibly passionate about talking about. And I think that makes me, um, you know, more authentic as a marketer when I go and I mean, I've been at, I can't even tell you countless consumer events over the last um, year and a half where we sample and I'm there representing the company and I'm um, able to be a hundred percent authentic in uh, how I talk about this and why I care about it and why it matters and how it fits into my life. You know, I, I love marketing, always have. I, and um, that's, you know, truly my passion. But the ability to bring together my own personal values into the role every single day makes a huge difference. Martha, I'd like you to, to reflect a little bit on what Karuna just said, because, you know, I hear myself when I hear people that decide to leave an organization, it's often because there's not often because there's not a match with their own personal sense of purpose, whether it's explicit or implicit in the companies. So I'd like you to. Th- Talk about from your experience in Egon Zenders, is this an important criteria for most people? If it is, how do you help them find this harmony that Corona has? I mean, not everyone can have the perfect fit like she has right now. Yeah. I mean, I think um, sometimes that takes a little bit of kind of time in career to work out the things that feel important. Um, and sometimes there are trade-offs, right? Like I think there's a um, there's lots of things that play. There's career trajectory, there's compensation, there's mm-hmm. passions, um, uh, there's location. Um, but I think there is a beautiful moment where there's alignment of all of those things. Um, but it doesn't come without risk. I mean, you have to take a little bit of a leap of faith if you're going to follow a passion or a uh, or take a take an exciting career opportunity. There's always risk involved. Um, 
And so I think it's really weighing it as you think about career moves. Like what are the things that feel like they're the best haves for you? What are the really important pieces? Um, what are the maybe sort of nice to haves? And then what are the pieces that feel like they're non, you're not prepared to compromise on? And making informed decisions on that. I mean, it's great to see someone like Karu and I have to share. We we had a dinner and um, one of the nights at, at Kellogg and um, our table was completely enraptured with Karuna's story. I mean, she's never going to be uh, a dead dinner party guest ever again in her career. I mean, I think people are so interested in the in the business and what it's trying to do. Um, and it's so optimistic, right? I mean, we we live in an environment where there's so much wrong with the world. And I think this is a business that's trying to do something really good and really meaningful. Um, just seeing the the passion and the um conviction in what Karina's doing, it is a real clear moment in somebody's career where all of that experience aligns with the passion. And those moments are special. You know, it's it's interesting because marketing when you know especially when you're looking at different roles as I was um it's amazing the the variety of what that actually means and I had, I had actually gotten pretty interested in the innovation space and was looking at startups a while before this opportunity came along but you know the when I would talk to the CEOs it was like well we need someone to run our Facebook campaign and I was like and you want a chief marketing officer to do that and they and so you know, or, well, we just need someone to design our logo. And I thought, okay, this is not what I want to be doing. And it was very interesting because what really struck me, and I was surprised, was when I went and interviewed um, with Thomas, our, our CEO, he was like, I need someone, I want you to come in and build an iconic brand. And I, and the reason he was so excited about having me in the role was actually because I'd worked on Like a Girl um, campaign. The at, always you know, campaign. At, at, yeah, the always campaign um, at Leo Burnett. And he said, you know how to build something that has an emotional connection and I want to build a brand. And I thought, hmm. that's a remit I can get super excited about. Um, but, you know, Martha's absolutely right. Beyond that, you know, I now have, um, you know, responsibility for sales, for innovation, for business development um, and culinary um, recently. So it's it's the role has definitely grown and broadened. Um, but I think, again, I come back to, my job is well beyond just the marketing. It's the consumer experience. And so all of those different points make up our consumer experience. And I have to, you know, I need my understanding and background in retail has been incredibly valuable. I feel like we should break here for a nature's find ad. What do you think? <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, for our listeners, where can they find it? Um, so if you go on our um, on our website, there's actually a uh, it's about a 90 second film we did very early on that kind of tells the story of the brand. And uh, yeah, our, meat, our products are now available at Whole Foods as well as Sprouts, which is more of a West Coast. Mm -hmm. You probably know Sprouts from your yep. West Coast yep. um, and uh, yeah, continuing to expand. So it's exciting. I, I did a recording with P&G with Mark Pritchard and Marco Northern about P&G's strategy and sustainability and how it's integrated into brand building. And we talked an awful lot about habit change, right? And how do you, how do you enable habit change with consumers in, in a way that is easy for them, simple, uh, has a benefit, and is sort of built into the, the brand platform? So when they think about Cascade and Tide and so many of the brands of P&G that have made a big, big impact you know, in sustainable usage, it's not a bolt on, it's part of the brand platform, but it entailed some sort of habit change. 
So what are you learning about that, Karuna, right? It's, it's the uh, holy grail for every marketer, right? To be able to change a habit, develop a new habit. Great brands are built on habits. What have you learned in this journey in terms of how to think about habit change? And in your case, a change that will be better for the individual and better for the planet. It's a great question. I think, uh, you know, a lot of what I've learned about habit and uh, how to how to change behavior actually comes from my time at Leo Burnett and, you know, really believing and seeing that creativity has the ability to transform behavior, right? It's really um, incredible to see um, how you can leverage that. But I think it it's a combination of that and it's also really believing in um, emotion is what really drives behavioral change. A lot, a lot of times we get very, uh, you know, and we've le- we've seen this and learned this, you know, you can give people all the sustainability gloom and doom and no one want you know, people don't change. They, sh- they kind of shut you off. And, and, and it's interesting, even when I was at um, uh, ARC and Leo, we did a campaign for Walgreens when we did the flu shot campaign. And, you know, everyone was kind of centered around telling you, you're going to get sick and it's going to be terrible and you're going to miss work. And, you know, finally, we just kind of, you know, I, I remember talking about it with with our creatives. And I said, you know, there's something in here about let's motivate positive behavior, like tell them why they need to do it, right? Like it's around, and then then we came up with this idea of, of arm yourself for the ones you love. And it was this notion of you're not, you know, it's not about you feeling terrible and it's going to be awful. It's like, how do you, how do you start to, you know, change behavior by incentivizing the positive, right? And so, as I was mentioning for our brand, it's really around this idea of optimism. So we don't, you know, we don't chastise people for where they are, wherever they are in the journey. We want to meet them there. Um, and we make it very clear. One of the reasons I think we're going to be able to take on this challenge is we can literally create products for every single occasion throughout your day. So whether you choose to just, you know, uh, do a meatless option on Monday, whether you decide to do Veganuary and commit for the month or you decide you're a lifelong vegan, it doesn't matter. Every step you take kind of makes a difference. Um, so we are focused very much on optimism, on telling people, hey, it's, we're not, you know, we're with you. Wherever you are, we can be a resource. Um, people want to do the right thing, but it needs to be easy. It needs, you know, in our case, it needs to be delicious. You know, every survey I've done, every time I talk to consumers, but how does it taste is the question, right? And it's one of the reasons we actually partnered with um Michelin-starred chef Eric Repair uh, from La Bernadette because, you know, he brings that level of credibility and people, that's what people are curious about. And now we are on the menu at La Bernadette in New York City um, using our five protein. I mean, it's pretty, you know, that's no better stamp of approval than that from a culinary standpoint. So I'm always focusing our team on how do we make this easy? Because people want to do the right thing, but if it's not convenient, if it doesn't taste good, I might try it once, but I'm not going to come back. Now, one last uh, question about the panel we had. Uh, Karuna talked about the Eisenhower matrix on this panel. That got a lot of buzz. Immediately, everyone's Googling it. What is the Eisenhower matrix? (laughs) And Karuna, you said something like, I use this every day. I use this every minute in this job. And so along with the audience, I Googled it too. So Karuna, could you talk a bit about the Eisenhower matrix, what it is, why it's important for you, how you discovered it? Yeah. Um, so I, I mean, I've used it in the past, but not to the same level. And our CEO, I think is, is a big believer in it. And it's incredibly valuable in a place like a startup because you have in any given day, there's a thousand things that need to be done and they need to all be done yesterday. And 
one of our biggest challenges with our teams is how do we get them to focus on the most important things? Because there's always urgent um, and there's important uh, work that needs to be done that often gets put off because you're busy focusing on the urgent. So it's really a very simple two by two matrix, you know, urgent, not urgent and uh, important, not important. And you just want to be constantly looking at how you're spending your time. You know, everyone has to do work that's, you know, urgent and not important sometimes. But if you're spending all of your time there, you know, and we literally map our projects and try to make sure that we're not over indexing on just dealing with the day to day fires, because then we're not going to build the long term. And, you know, the priorities do shift very quickly in my role and in our company. So it's always kind of relooking at it and saying, okay, are we working on the things that are going to build for the long term while also moving? the short term forward. We are going to flip into the creative brief of this episode. And that's a fun one where we talk about all sorts of things that are kind of wacky, personal, offbeat. And Martha and I are going to share this. I hope you were warned about this, Martha. I'm not sure you were or not, but we're going to share the questions. I'm not sure I was warned. (laughs) No, of course you were warned of it. So the, the first one I'm going to ask, and then I'll turn it over to Martha. What's the lasting leadership lesson, Karuna, you have carried forward from P&G? It's, it's around this idea that I think um, Chip actually, in, Chip Berg um, instilled in me. Who's now CEO of Levi's, or has been CEO yes, of Levi's. Yes, now CEO of Levi's um, and one of my mentors um, along with you, Jim. But it's uh, always choose to do the right hard thing over the easy wrong thing. Um, and it's it's something, you know, I, I resonated with very early on in my career. And I think if you think about that, it applies to both business and people, Right. Um, you know, from a business standpoint, it's sometimes easy to do the, you know, focus on the vanity metrics or the, you know, just the short term stuff versus the, you know, as we talked about the longer term brand building that just, it takes time, it takes effort, it takes incredible hard work, but it's the right thing to do. Um, it applies when I'm, you know, thinking about who are the right brands and, and partners that we choose. You know, there are lots of people that want to be affiliated with a brand like ours, but how do we make the right choices? Um, and sometimes they're hard choices. Um, similarly with people, you know, there are people who are we've brought in who have been great fits and others who aren't. And sometimes you have to make that hard choice um, and do the right thing. Um, the easy wrong thing is always there waiting for you. But, um, you know, the other stuff takes takes uh takes being value-based, takes being purpose-driven, takes being um, authentic. And, um, you know, as hard as it is, you you have to do it because that's ultimately, um, I think, how you build a great brand and how you build a great team. Martha, your turn. Well, I have to do a follow-up P&G question. What was it like working with Jim? <laughs> oh, oh, you're good. You're good. Well, the fact that Jim and I are still connected after all these years should should be a big part of that answer. Um, as I t- said, Martha, early on, P&G was my dream job. I thought, you know, if I can get to Kellogg and I can get a job at P&G, that would be amazing. Um, and then to have the incredible fortune of, of uh, working for Jim, I just, you know, it was like a kid in a candy store. I, every, every meeting I learned so much that I still carry with me today. Um, I think the fact that I could walk into this job and know, like, how do you build a great iconic brand comes comes from Jim. Beyond all the business lessons, I think the thing I carry most from uh, working with Jim is how to just be a great human and care about your team and be a wonderful leader. Um, you know, I think a lot of the leaders, the, th- the memories you always have are the things that um, they did for you as, as a human. I mean, Jim 
knew I had a commuter marriage when I started, you know, at P&G and his incredible empathy and understanding and flexibility, I, I will not forget. And it's one of the things I try to do now for my team. So I could go on and on, but I know we have a <laughs> limited amount of time. Thank you for that, Karina. That's very, that's very touching. Okay, I'm going to take it back to the marketing world. What's the marketing campaign in your amazing career that you are to this day most proud of that you've been involved with? That's an easy one. That's um, the Always Like a Girl campaign. Um, I, you know, had the amazing opportunity to work on that, even though I wasn't working on the Always business. Um, you know, our uh, CEO, Leo Burnett, called me one one day out of the blue and said, we need your help. We need a great strategist on this campaign. And I had the opportunity to work with a creative director I had never met before, Judy John out of Toronto. And, and uh, we became, you know, partners in crime working on this campaign. It was uh, on top of our day jobs, nights and weekends, but again, a personal passion. Um, we both had girls at that time that were right around that age. Um, and we were seeing this change in confidence happening in them. And we kind of, you know, drew from that inspiration to to create um, this idea around, you know, and it was data that that uh, PNG had, you know, all along. And it was how do you take that insight around, you know, girls lose so much more confidence than boys um, at, you know, at puberty and connected back to always you know, purpose of empowering women and, you know, having the opportunity to work on something that we had a pretty good feeling about. Um, and we thought it would help build the business, but to see uh, the cultural movement that it created across the world was just incredibly gratifying. I mean, to this day, I, you know, people who know I worked on it still talk about it. And then to end up walking on that red carpet in Hollywood to get an Emmy, it's hard to yeah. top. <laughs> I mean, that's the power of what we do, right? Yes. That's the power of what we do. Still makes me weep, that commercial. Um, yeah, it's a, it was an amazing one. Really hit the emotional connection. Um, so I know, Karuna, you were nominated as a trailblazer mum. And separate from your day job, your life is also full of, you know, amazing work, board roles, commitment to the community, etc. I'm a pretty new mum myself. Um, I'd love to hear a bit about how you balance babies, business, giving back to the community. How do you fit it all in? Do you sleep? <laughs> Not enough. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, uh, you know, the, the advice I get, and I get asked this question a lot because I, um, I do have three children, um, now all adults, but, you know, back in the day, three kids under six, marketing director at P&G and managing uh, flying every other week. And it, it, it was a lot. Um, and I, I will be honest, you know, the, and I'm very honest about this. I think it is um, very challenging to have it all at the same time. Uh, I'm not sure I could do the job I'm in when I had the young kids. I mean, I'm just, you know, I, it's a lot. It, it takes a lot out of you. And, you know, so I've kind of looked at my own um, life in, in chapters and known that there's never going to be a perfectly balanced day or, and I kind of hate, hate the word balance because I think it's a myth, but um, even over a month, what I try, I've tried to do throughout my career is say, okay, you know, over the last month or a quarter or even a year, like, have I kind of devoted my time to the things that are most important to me? And I've, have I achieved the right level of focusing on my kids or focusing on my work? Um, and the day-to-day -day balance is never perfect. And so I've stopped holding myself accountable for that because it's really hard. Um, but I think, you know, it's it's a matter of making choices. And I chose, 
you know, once I had kids to actually stay home with them when they were very young. So I've been a stay-at-home mom full-time. I've been a part-time working mom. I've been a full-time working mom. I've done all of it um, at different points when it was the right thing for me and my family. And I have to say, every one of those is hard. They're all different trade-offs. Karuna, what's the first brand you remember making an impact on you as a young girl? So I have a good answer for this one that might um, surprise some people. I actually have two. So um, I don't know, Jim, if you even know this, but I came to this country as a 10-year-old. I was born in India. Um, My dad was a diplomat and we had lived all over the world. And right before I came to the U.S., I was um, I lived in um, Bhutan, which is a tiny country in the Himalayas, um, no running water, no um, television. And then I landed in JFK in New York City and lived in Manhattan on 65th Street. So um, the reason I tell you all that is America for me had this like at that age was this like incredible thing. And um, and the thing I remember so vividly as the first brand is Campbell's Soup believe it or not. And it's because I remember going to school and coming home for lunch. And the idea of an American lunch was Campbell's tomato soup and a grilled cheese sandwich. And when my mom would make me that, I was like, oh, I'm the cool American kid now. Um, so that was that was one of my early uh, brand connections. The other one was Barbie, because I, it was sort of like this you know, to be an American girl, you had to own a Barbie. And I remember that brand having such an impression on me. But both of those are, are you know, obviously the context is being, um, you know, an immigrant and trying to be as American as you could and fit in um, was was really as, as a nine and 10 year old that was utmost uh, on my mind. So those are those would be my brands. That's a beautiful story. I still love Campbell's Soup and Grilled Cheese Sandwich. Still, it's such comfort Yeah, and I got to work on Campbell's when I was uh, at Leo Burnett, yeah. so it comes, came full circle. All right, Martha, you have the last question. Oh, that's a big one. Okay, um, well, I think I've got to ask a leadership question. Um, I know you've talked about building a team um, almost from scratch, in fact, entirely from scratch. Like, What do you look for when you think about hiring talent, Karina? Um, great question. I think for me, um, one of the things I do feel like I've really honed as a skill is um, attracting talent, identifying and attracting talent. Um, and I think, again, I owe a lot of that to the incredible leaders I worked with at PNG. I think they um, they did such a good job of it. And I think I, I picked up a few tips along the way. Um, for me, you know, obviously it's it's somewhat role dependent. Um, so there's, you know, there's the skills you would need if, you know, if you're going to be working at a uh, large CPG versus a startup. So, but for me, what I've found over and over again is um, a level of curiosity is incredibly important. Um, and it almost doesn't matter what role you're in. But um, for myself, that's what led me to this role. And it's been, um, you know, for my own career, uh, curiosity has led me down those, you know, roads less traveled um, to explore things that most people wouldn't. And in fact, um, you know, one of the reasons I ended up at, the, at an agency is, and Jim probably doesn't remember this, but um, he sent me a note when I left PNG and he said, if you ever decide to come, because I was going to be a full-time mom at that point. And he said, if you ever decide you want to, you know, get back, Leo Burnett would be a great fit. Let me know. And I literally found that email the other day. And amazingly enough, that opportunity came along. But it's this idea of being curious and open to new things, um, particularly in the role I'm in now and in the company I'm in. We need that desperately. We need people who have the curiosity and, and um, desire to figure things out because we don't 
have all the, we don't have a playbook. No one's done what we're doing before, whether it's in marketing or engineering or technology um, and a certain amount of leadership resiliency. Um, it's a very tough business, um, you know, regardless of what category you're in today, it's, it's hard, but especially hard when you're trying to build something out of nothing. And so the ability to bounce back, um, to, to be able to ride that roller coaster, um, is, is incredibly important. And it's, it's interesting as I look at my team, I have a very diverse team and I have someone who has spent 15 years at Pepsi, you know, not an immediate clear fit for a startup, but there was something in his background that said to me, this is someone who can come in and really take all of that knowledge, unlearn what he needs to unlearn and then build something new. Um, but I also have people who have come direct, you know, from agency or from a number of different startups or, you know, are just very in incredibly diverse backgrounds and bringing that together, I think is what makes us as powerful as, as we are. So it's a very small team, but pretty mighty. Karuna, Martha and I have worked you very hard in the last hour, so we're going to let you have the last word. Anything you want to ask Martha or myself before we sign off? Um, that's a good one. Um, let's see. So, Jim, I guess um, as you think about marketing and all of the knowledge that you have around what's happening in the world and how marketing's evolved, what do you kind of see as the key skills for marketers um, going into the, the future and uh, continuing to navigate all of the uncertainty ahead of us? Well, you said it a minute ago, and if there's one theme from my podcast, and I've done a lot of them, it's curiosity. I've asked so many people from Ted Sarandos at Netflix to Keith Weed at Unilever to Karuna and Nature's Fine what the key characteristic is of a CMO. And they say curiosity because it's all moving so fast. So I think it's curiosity. I think it's uh, agility, the ability to pivot, and that that is um, not everyone's strength. And I think the last one, and this has always been true, and this is why I think P&G people are successful outside P&G, strategy. You know, when you, t you talked about your first couple weeks at the job, what did you look at? Strategy. Who's our consumer? What's our reason for being? What are we going to stand for? What are our beliefs and values? If you don't ask those questions before you talk about what your media mix is or what your, what your product superiority is going to be, it's ungrounded. And Martha, I would ask you the same question, just to any, any builds on uh, what Jim just shared. Um, I think it's beautifully put. I mean, it's interesting within our world, curiosity is the consistent potential marker that move, can move across any competency if a leader is growing. The only thing I would add is a sense of humor. I think in life, hmm. you just need to be able to smile yeah. at the smile yeah. at the small stuff and, and work out what to laugh at. So that's all I'd add. Yeah, that's great. Um, yeah, I do uh, find myself alternating some days between screaming into a pillow and laughing about it. So. <laughs> that's a good place to be. <laughs> But Martha, why you're smashing the job. <laughs> but Martha, you, you, I, shame on me for not bringing this up because you, because Karina talked about this. I mean, I think also care. Just, you know, Allison talked about this at our summit, Allison Lewis at KC, how care is more proactive than empathy. And Karina, you care about your people. Uh, you talked about, I cared about you years ago and we still have a friendship. So I do think it's honest care. When I talked to Marco Northern at PNG earlier today, who was named coach of the year at PNG. First thing she said was care about my team, about the whole person. Mm -hmm. Are they growing to their potential? Do they feel great about their work? Do they feel like they're part of a super team? Are they being stretched and developed and supported? You know, that's all active yeah. care for the whole person. So I think that's a really powerful one for the future. 
I'm going to add one last thought, Jim, which I did not get to say when Martha asked me earlier. But one of the things that I think I was really struck by um, leadership at PNG that I, I think I've carried with me is every leader I worked for, and I was incredibly lucky, I had a whole string of amazing leaders, um, had the ability uh, to anticipate what I could achieve and what my potential was before I even knew it. And that is an amazing act of caring, in my opinion. You know, just that fact that you know me well enough to know that if you put me in this thing that feels incredibly risky, you've got my back and I can still go forward and take that risk. And I think that's what's allowed me to do the risk taking I've taken in my career. That's a great place to stop this beautiful conversation. Thank you, Martha. Thank you, Karuna. This has been just wonderful on, on so many levels. So I appreciate your generosity, your insights, and your care. Thank you, Jim. This was uh, just, this was on my bucket list, I have to say. So I'm incredibly happy that I got to do this um, and to spend the time with both you and Martha. Thank you so much. It was such a treat to be with you, back. That was my conversation with Karuna and Martha. Three lessons from this one for your business brand and life. The first one, if you can, find a job at a company where your values principles are perfectly aligned with the company's values, principles, and priorities. Karuna has this deeply in this job. She's been happy in her other jobs, including when she started her career at P&G. But this one is just spot on for Karuna in terms of what she values what she believes, and what this company is trying to do for the world. Second takeaway, the leadership lesson. When I asked Karuna what she's carrying forward from her time at P&G, she quickly talked about she learned how to choose the right hard thing to do versus the easier wrong thing. We hear that saying a fair amount. It's living it. That's the hard stuff. And Karuna spoke very beautifully about how she's taken that lesson into her current role and her current work. And the third takeaway is this. Be sure you do the fundamentals in your brand and strategy before you do the tactics. Karuna talked about her first days in the job at Nature's Fine, how she took the team together. And they talked about who their consumer is. What's their purpose? What's the reason for being? What are they going to offer the world? How are they going to bring it to life? So she populated a brand framework before they jumped into tactics. So think brand first, think strategy first, think simplicity. That's it for this episode of the CMO Podcast. If you found this helpful and entertaining, I would be so grateful if you could share our show with your friends. And I would be super happy if you subscribed so you can be updated as we publish new episodes. And if you really want to help, leave us a five-star rating and a positive review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. The CMO Podcast is a Gallery Media Group original production.